This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Mike Richards. Oh yeah, former host of Jeopardy. Still uh, executive producer though, don't worry, he's he's still in the building. Uh, he He's sorry about that stuff. Listen, he's got an apology to read. That well, we'll read it for him. Don't worry. Uh, in the uh, in the main thing, but for now, just know that Mike Richards gave us some money and is sponsoring this episode of Ear Buddies. It's Mike. I'm Elvis Presley. And I have no response to that. (laughs) And this is Ear Buddies. Left him speechless. Finally, I did. It's a rare thing, Tim, but every now and then, uh, we're just not on the same page. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're finally doing our our 1950s uh, rock and roll episode, (laughs) bud. We should do one of those someday, actually. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, No, actually, pal, before we get into it, I thought before uh, what the episode actually is about... I thought we could do sort of just a fun little icebreaker. Uh, look at my screen. We're talking over Zoom. Of course, if you're listening to this episode, you don't have the benefit of any visual component. But Matt, um, what do you see on my screen that, that is the most interesting element of of uh, of the room I'm in, do you think? What, what jumps out at you is probably like the coolest thing in the room. Uh, that pack of double stuffed Oreos. Is that what you were thinking of? Well, I was just, yeah, curious if you were going to pick the same thing. That is exactly what I was going to pick. I am going to munch one Oreo during this app. I'm not going to say when. I'm going to do it on mic. We'll see if anyone notices. All right. That sounds... That's just a little, little mini game within the episode. We'll see how it goes. Okay, so Matt, what... What is the actual, what's the topic of today's episode? Okay, well, I'm going to come down from that high really quick. <clears throat> oh, and and just just to get this out of the way, because I don't want to spoil it, here I am opening the package so this part <laughs> is done. So, there you go. Okay. go Tim, wow. Always a delight and a surprise. <laughs> You guys, you listeners, you're lucky we've got Tim on board here. This will not be the same podcast without our buddy Tim. Um, but yeah, Tim, let's let's get down to brass tacks. Let's uh, really start this thing. So today, we are going to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart. And I think, uh-huh. Tim, you would agree, something that I've been really jonesing for Um since we started this this podcast, um, and that, of course, is, how do I put this, world music and cultural appropriation in popular music. Hubba, hubba. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too.
Joseph's face was black as night The pale yellow moon shone in his eyes His path was marked by the stars in the southern Listener, you're hearing a track from the album Graceland by Paul Simon. Matt, why am I playing a song from that album? Do you not know, or are are you... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I have no clue. You you just told me to do it, and now I'm, I'm... I just... I, I didn't follow up any further. One so of why Tim's did I do that? classic rhetorical <laughs> flares. Um, well, look, it's because, as as a lot of people know, but we are going to dive uh, mm. deeper into this. Graceland is uh, the 1985 album Ooh. by Paul Simon that kind of put him back on the map, and it was a huge deal in a lot of ways musically and culturally and politically globally um, because he met real quick because last episode we did have a conversation about this during our wait wait don't tell me segment oh Uh, and you you told me to do this was it It 1986 oh Man. I'm sorry. No. And I didn't want to make a big scene. No. And I was conflicted. No. But and I thought, I don't know. And Tim. now we're way off the rails. No, no, no. And we're going to. Nope. Look. And this is, I think, a worse experience for the listener. Nope. Uh, nope. It's good. It's good to have okay. this. It's good to be honest. It's good to be right. Thank you for correcting me. Okay, I'm but not is it mad. good to just pull the red pen out in the middle of the show? Yeah, well, de- depending on the segment we're doing at the end, uh, <laughs> so I think now this sure. is, that's fine, and I appreciate okay. it. 1986, I'm a huge idiot, but the rest of my point still stands, I Absolutely. would say. And uh, so we, we kick off here uh, with our little music cues with that, but mm-hmm. um, and we will, trust me, we will get there, but... What I what I want to talk about even before that yeah is I noticed Tim that there's a little bit of hubbub going on mm-hmm. around a relatively new release called Essence by a young man from Nigeria called Wizkid and that in itself is cool, but guess which one of our buddies hopped on the remix of that lately? Uh, that was a rhetorical bud because I freaking know the answer. It's it's Justin Biebs. It's Justin Biebs. That's right. He got he got on the remix, um, and people are talking about it, and it's sort of. Well, it lit a, a little bit of a flame, I would say, with this exact sort of discourse talking about white people doing non-white music. Yeah. Uh, and what that's all about. Say, I'm eating mess up my mind, and I'm eating make you free up your mind. 
Say your body talk to me nice. So WizKid is uh he is, if I'm not mistaken, the uh most successful uh certainly the most streamed Nigerian musical artist uh ever. That he's a, is correct. He's a big old deal in Nigeria. Um and this song is really cool. Uh and and it was as you noted a you know a freestanding song of its own uh before Justin Bieber showed up and decided to hop onto a remix of it. Um and you know tried to sort of uh propel it in the good old US of A. And I don't know the uh, exact minute by minute of how it happened, I guess, Matt. I don't, maybe you do, but um, this is not the first time that Justin has uh, showed up on a world music track and just kind of dropped in and um, felt really cool about it, I guess. Well, Tim, are you referring to the smash hit Despacito? Oh, of course I am, dude. <laughs> Come and move that in my direction. So thankful for that. It's such a blessing, yeah. Turn every situation into heaven, yeah. Oh, you are. My sunrise on the darkest day. Got me feeling some kind of way. Well, that's right. Yes. So, and that, uh, obviously a Latin smash. And then, yeah. I guess, I mean, it was, uh... I say worldwide because I think that's true, but when an American says worldwide, they basically mean American. Uh, so it was a, a big smash in the U.S. And uh, so Justin Bieber has sort of established a bit of a track record of doing this. But then, Tim, you also think about, um, I guess... Halsey with BTS. You think about mm. Selena Gomez with um, Blackpink. American artists who are jumping on tracks by non-American artists, non-white artists, and um, doing something. Now, now here's the thing. Here's the question. Uh-huh. What are they doing? Why are they doing this? Who is this for? What yeah. What sort of um, What do they hope to get from this Are they just being nice <laughs> Because That's always a question uh-huh. you can ask Maybe Maybe they're, they are like just trying to help out Or uh, sure. Do they sense uh, the prevailing winds mm, Yeah Sure um, But For whatever reason There is a question or a number of questions that I think are absolutely worth asking um, mm-hmm. and they are I mean they are about cultural appropriation cultural theft uh, and what that is how that works what it means is it okay how, if it's okay yep. when is it okay etc etc 
I'll stop talking okay, now, Tim. So, I'd love for you to. So yeah, you know. so you just <laughs> right. So you raised. So you raised several very good questions. <laughs> um, and I want can can we back this up and can we can we take the plane from like three thousand feet to thirty thousand feet here quick? I want to explain why I introduced myself as Elvis. First of all, the whole question of cultural theft. I mean, this has been around for a long time. You have a guy like Elvis, who back in the 50s made a name for himself. Performing songs that were originally for black artists. I know that we've been talking specifically about world music appropriation here, but jazz and rock and roll and the blues, these are their own cultures as well, and and white people have kind of marched in and, and done their own things with that as well. Questions of, are you borrowing? Are you paying tribute to music that you like? Are you just a student of a genre or are you um, appropriating a culture are really fraught and really important to consider uh, especially if you are the one doing the borrowing or perhaps the alleged stealing well put Tim I did kind of have an idea where that Elvis thing was going, but I thought maybe you just had you thought we were doing a different episode. But you're exactly <laughs> you're exactly right. That I mean because look, when it comes down to it, yeah. in America white people started hmm, bluegrass and that's it. Right, I'm a little yeah. bit. I'm a little bit wrong as and, always. Right, but like, and the to- and the Toby Keith style of country. There you go. Sure, but like, <laughs> jazz is black. Rock and roll uh, is yep. black, um, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I could go on. I don't want to waste right. our our time. But that's exactly right. It is not simply a world music issue. It is a even well a larger issue of cultural appropriation borrowing theft one of those three words so okay right anyway all interesting things to consider uh let's fly the plane a little lower take it away sure okay so you know i i mentioned um the collaborations that are big favorite famous artists have had with k-pop acts um and with latin acts and also yeah. now uh african acts and i mean now so at this point like latin music has it's standing on its own two feet you know we have uh, yep. bad bunny and j Bal- balvin and uh i guess j-lo <laughs> right like all all, sure. all of those those are not strange sounds to hear nope. in top 40 anymore you know what amazing good work like they yeah, are cool. they are able to uh, sail that ship and win Grammys on their own um, and I think that's amazing and similarly with uh, 
K-pop, I mean, BTS is the biggest band in the world. Now, to clarify, this is not our K-pop episode. Oh, no, it's not. I'm sorry for mentioning that and sort of uh, getting people excited if you think that's where this is going. That, Yeah, no. But it is coming. We are going to do it. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, next week, I think we'll probably do it. <laughs> next week, probably. But I think to, you know, to fly the plane, I'll just continue this metaphor, Tim, if I may. To fly yeah, the plane. Go for it. A little closer to the ground, even. I wonder... What's going on with African music, with Afro beats, with Afro pop? And uh-huh. and I say this through the lens of this new WizKid single that's lighting yeah. up the charts because uh, I think, you know, you, you referenced this, but it's the first Nigerian song in history to chart on the Billboard Hot 100. African music is still so, well, it's still fraught. Right? Yeah. Um, and man, it always has been because now we see uh, Justin Bieber jumping on this, and that's honestly great. Like, it seems from all I've heard about it that it was uh, something everybody kind of wanted to do. And in many senses, there's nothing wrong with that. But I do think that when we're, when, whenever you're talking about, cultural appropriation in white popular american music you simply yep. must talk about one of my favorite albums graceland i'm going to graceland graceland to memphis tennessee i'm going to graceland poor boys and pilgrims with families and we are going to graceland and i traveling it's such a um, it's such a good album, uh, and it's it's one that you can easily well as as you and I did start a conversation about appropriation around because uh, it it does not do anything to hide the fact that it is culturally borrowing. Music from Africa. She looked me over and I guess she thought I was all right. All right in a sort of a limited way for an off night. Um, and Paul Simon is a is as white as snow you know <laughs> and so um what to do about it and how how does how is that squared what how is that reconciled why is that okay yes okay so tim i am going to request that if i go too wild here that you just 
kind of jump in and cut me off because okay. this is one of my favorite albums. I think it's incredible. And uh-huh. I think, I mean, the music itself is phenomenal. I, all cards on the table, love Afro pop. I love Afro beats. Um, I think it just absolutely slaps, kind of no matter what. Uh, but this album is not, it can't just be judged on its um, musical qualities and musical value alone. This was such a cultural flashpoint in 1986. Nice. When it, when it came out that, I mean, the reverberations are still being discussed um, and uh, kind of sussed out today. So, to give a brief, as brief as possible, uh, of a rundown of this, mm-hmm. South Africa, specifically South Africa, because we're talking about Africa, there are 54 countries, right? It's, we're not, you can't lump it all together. Nigeria yep. is not South Africa, and South Africa is not Ghana, etc., etc. I feel like we all have the uh, sort of awareness to know that. Mm-hmm. And when I say we all, I mean all of our listeners. Um, Absolutely, <laughs> a lot of a lot of smart, nice people out there. Thanks, guys. But this was a a real um, just a real thing when it was happening because in the 1980s, South Africa was under apartheid, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Paul Simon heard a bootleg cassette of a particular genre called Mbakanga. Right, which is a an like a specific to um, Soweto and South Africa music style. And man, guess what? He loved it. He thought it was so cool. And also, yeah. he had just released an album that nobody liked. And also, he was like, <laughs> he was like in his mid forties or something, you know. So he was looking for something cool, something hot. And man, yeah. he, he found it. And he he said, I don't care if it's nineteen eighty six. I don't care if my going to South Africa to make this music that I want to make is going to be a huge deal. I want to make it. Now, that sounds pretty white on its surface, right? And um, It does. And, 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 I mean, it is. But we've got to dig a little deeper because... <laughs> yeah, what I find pretty funny is that Paul, uh, he was he wasn't stupid. He was aware of what was going on in the world, and he asked some buddies of his, including Quincy Jones and Harry Belafonte. He said, "Guys, should I do this? I really want to. Do you think it's yeah. okay 
that I do this because I know we're boycotting uh, all these, you know, South African apartheid um, laws, and I don't want to, uh-huh. I don't want to ruin my career. And Harry and Quincy said, "Nice of you to ask us. We don't think you should." And Paul said, ah, "I'm going to anyway. Thank you for your advice." Also, sounds kind of white. Well, I mean, yes, it certainly I mean. does. But uh, anyway, he uh-huh. man, he went to South Africa. And yeah. he found uh, a bunch of bands, musicians. Actually, interestingly, a number of the bands who were on this bootleg cassette that he had heard, he like contacted them, got them in yeah. the studio with him, and they just jammed. He had them just play whatever they would normally play, and then took that back to his studio in New York, wrote the lyrics and the melodies over the top of it, and mm-hmm. came out with d- this is kicking album. So that's the short version, and uh, to go too much further in depth would just be a chore for us and for you. <laughs> but that's like, that's I what doubt happened. that, pal. I'm sure that we would all actually be wrapped listening to you talk about it because well, <laughs> we enjoy listening to you talk because all of us who listen to you uh, either are friends with you actually or have developed a parasocial relationship with you uh, and oh. feel like we're friends with you and and like listening to you talk. And so uh, I'm not telling you – I'm not – I'm not saying you need to give us the long version. I'm just saying, if you did, I bet it would be fine. Well, Tim, look, I'll it's say just, a few I'm just paying you. I'm just paying no, you a compliment. That I mean, it means the world to me whenever <laughs> I get a compliment from you, especially uh, on the air. But now that you say that, it actually might be uh-huh. worth me sharing just a couple more things because I want you. <laughs> no, no, I want yes. you to be able to bounce off of this without me losing Please. my train of thought. So. Mm-hmm. All of that happened, um, and one of the the kind of important things here was that Paul was, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he was actually doing, like, the best that he could with the situation that, I mean, he did put himself in. He paid all of these musicians, like, triple the union wage— and he shared writing credits with almost all of them, uh, a couple of gray areas there, but whatever. Um, and like he really treated these people, these musicians, um, as well as he could. I mean, he flew them to to New York and London, and they flew first class, and they were at five star hotels, and you know, eating at the nicest restaurants. Like he was clearly aware enough of what he was doing that he was really trying to, I guess, just be a good guy or not get a bunch of culture or of public backlash. However, it is also very interesting to mention 
that this was such a rife cultural time that mm-hmm. apparently the uh, Steve Van Zandt, I don't know if it, you know that name off the top of your head, he's the guitarist for Bruce Springsteen's band. Yep. So he was uh, an anti-apartheid activist. And there was a group of radicals who had Paul Simon at the top of their hit list. They were going to assassinate Paul Simon. What? Because of what he was doing. And apparently Steve said, please don't do that. <laughs> There's a better way. And apparently wow. like saved Paul's life because these guys were like, no, like he's, he, th- this is inappropriate. He is fanning the flames. He's breaking the, the boycott. He's got to go. So isn't that wild? It's an interesting story, but also I think it, it speaks a lot more to, like, this stuff actually matters. It's not just think pieces that we, yeah. you know, are, are talking about after the fact. Like, this was in the thick of it, and Paul Simon wanted to make this album so bad that he was willing died. to die for it. So that's And that is really the end of my uh, sort of Graceland um, background. But, Tim... Mm-hmm. What do you think about all this? <laughs> Having heard all this, well, what, are, what do you say? Well, I say that um, just as a listener, both to you and to the album Graceland by Paul Simon, uh, it's a really good album, and it sounds very good. As if everybody knows what I'm talking about. As if everybody here would know exactly what I was talking about We're talking about diamonds on the soles of your shoes As a white dude Who would otherwise Write certainly not Hear Um Anything Any why would I? Why would I hear South African music otherwise? You know, mm-hmm. what what kind of exposure would I get to it otherwise? Mm-hmm. Uh, it rocks. Now, on one hand, there's sort of a tourism element that that feels maybe a bit problematic there. Like, mm-hmm. um, am I just taking a Miss Frizzle field trip mm-hmm. to South Africa by listening to this album? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. And is that any good? Uh, maybe not. Are there others out there who, like like you, Matt, who genuinely find, um, you're finding rabbit holes to dig deeper into? Exposure isn't a bad thing. To say that the fact that my exposure is surface level, uh... That's not Paul Simon's fault, uh, right? That's that's my fault. Uh, <laughs> right. So I want to point to a piece in Vulture and read from Craig Jenkins, mm, who said... Big fan. If He said, quote, If you're an artist dabbling in a culture you weren't born into, you should make yourself a conduit of the people's art and journey. Paul Simon's Graceland move is leagues more mindful than the similarly uh, similarly culturally voracious move of someone like Iggy Azalea, for instance, 
who it's clear is reveling in the language and mannerisms of hip-hop without expressing much concern for the history of the culture, the plight of the people in the cities that fuel it, or her own curious place in it. Iggy Azalea being uh, an Australian white woman who appropriates a lot of black culture in the music that she creates. So, uh, right, I totally agree with that. I think Paul Simon is a conduit for South African music, and that is a big net positive. And he mm-hmm. shows so much reverence and respect for South African music that you can't hold it against him for uh, utilize, for borrowing the culture. I think that's a clear, if, if we're looking at the spectrum of, you know, borrowing versus appropriation versus theft, I mean, that's borrowing and... That's like going to the library, baby. That's great. Libraries are great. Yeah, Tim, I well, I I was going to say I totally agree with you, but I totally agree with Craig Jenkins. Yeah. Um I mean, and you, but <laughs> I, I think I think that what his point there that it's vital that you are a conduit of that culture. Yep. I mean, that to me, that to me is mm, not the last word, but, well, maybe the first word, maybe something very helpful to get started, because yep. I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm no different than, I guess, any other white guy who listened to Graceland in that now, um, after, I mean, I, I heard this album, I don't know, 10 years ago, and mm-hmm. loved it. But that was the door that opened me to all this other uh, African music. You know, there's High Life, there's Yoruba, there's Mbakanga, there's uh, all these other African artists and um, just pioneers in, in the genre who I would have had no awareness of at all had I not heard Graceland. And... That like that was the only way it was going to happen for me, right? I'm not mm-hmm. like I I wasn't just on my own looking up, uh, downloading LimeWire Fela Kuti, right? Right. So I think that it really, in this case, in the Graceland case, was and is a net positive. I think it's very important that you know what sort of what culture you are being a tourist in and there are people like Iggy Azalea I guess she's the one example but there are many more who uh, are are interested in the aesthetics and the vibes and don't have a respect for the tradition of it um, and just kind of jump in and start swinging and maybe get lucky and I'm not saying of course that Paul Simon did a perfect job with this, right? There are a lot of, again, rough edges and gray areas. But I think that if you can be a conduit of that culture musically, then you're doing pretty good. And, you know, we we come back to Justin Bieber. We come back to (laughs) Justin Bieber again. Um, (laughs) Because, okay, Black... Blackpink and BTS, they didn't need help, right? But, right. but, uh, like, 
I don't know. I don't know if Despacito would have been the smash hit of whatever summer that was uh-huh. without Justin's name on it. And there, like, there are a lot of people. Like, I didn't hear about um, Essence, the Wizkid song, until Justin Bieber got on it. And I'm right. someone who's paying attention to that. Yeah, but I still missed it. And now, uh, like, he <laughs> he got on it, and people said. You know, you didn't need no other buddy, um, which sort of is the tagline of this podcast. <laughs> he, he yes, just by virtue of his um, presence on the track, mm-hmm. brought it to a lot more people than uh, would have otherwise heard it. And I think even though it was doing well on its own, it had yeah. charted without him. Like, man, great. There's probably a bunch of, you know, 19-year-old kids who are looking up Afropop stuff right now. That's yep. amazing. I love that. Certainly and, a lot more, ni- yeah, 19-year-old American kids, yeah. Yeah, and and I, and I, I feel like that's good. Your buddies will continue in a moment. Every touch you need, give you all, make I give you all you need, baby. Yeah. You don't need no other body. You don't need no other body. Only you be hold my body. Only you be hold my body. You This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Mike Richards, a television personality who, well, let's be honest, folks, we'll be seeing less of him than we thought we would. Isn't that right, Matt? Yeah, we, a lot of us Jeopardy fans, were really excited for a second, just for a (sighs) moment in time, because we thought, this is so great. Here he comes. He's been executive producing this show for years, and now he finally gets his day in the sun. Mike Richards, let's do it. We've been waiting years for Alex to just finally. I mean, listen, we love I mean, the guy. We, right, but look. No one, no one wanted Alex to go. No, no one Ale- wanted no one wanted Alex to die. No. But but by the end, I was kind of thinking and this may be a controversial opinion, I was thinking I'd love to see Mike Richards up there. <laughs> that might, maybe that's just me. You know what? I think that might just be me. But I thought <laughs> You know, everybody Mike- Here's the thing. There were so many people online saying, "Lavar Burton, give me Lavar. Give me Ken right. Jennings." Aaron Rodgers. Give me a break. Give me Mike Richards. Give me Mike Richards. I was Mike Richards, ride or die. Did no one watch the $10,000 pyramid or 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 the million dollar, whatever it was? Uh, (laughs) did, Did no one see his terrific run on that television program? He has been in television for a long time. He hosted Beauty and the Geek. Ever heard of that, Matt? 
Don't answer that. Uh, <laughs> the weakest link. Goodbye. Remember that? He produced sure. that. Yeah. A TV guy. Yeah. This guy knows Classic TV. Classic TV guy. Classic TV guy. He's wheeling and dealing behind the scenes, waiting for his moment. Waiting for his moment. He's taking the calls. He's making the calls. He's taking the calls. He's making the calls. He's putting on his ties. He's putting on his modern Fitch suits. He is <laughs> driving to work day in and day out. He's got a wife named Stephanie. He's got two kids. He is living the American dream out there in Burbank, his hometown. He's doing a great job, frankly. All the while, and Matt, you and I can relate to this. He has a pet project. He has a hobby. He has a podcast. I thought you were going to say dog fighting ring. <laughs> no, no, nothing so nothing so sick, nothing so sinister. <laughs> he has a podcast. It's called The Random Show. I say it funny because it's spelled R A N D U M B. <laughs> oh, that. Okay. <laughs> How old is he? 17? He's four. In 2004? He's 46. <laughs> He's 46. Right. Okay. So he is the host of a podcast called The Random Show. Now, it's a modest podcast. It's a hobby. It's just for fun. Does he say some deeply misogynistic, offensive stuff on it? Yes. Does he say some stuff that he should not put on the internet? Yes. Does he put it on the internet anyway? Yes. But... And if you have listened to an Ear Buddies or a Grammar Matters and stuff that isn't funny production, you know that when I say, but, I'm about to say something uh, pretty defensible. Uh, Mike worked hard for the other 23 hours of the day uh, and the other... Uh, six days of the week that he wasn't podcasting. This it was just a it was just for fun, gang. It was just a it was just for fun, Matt. Yeah. You ever you ever just do something dumb for fun? Yeah, it's fine. It's fun to do stuff like that. <laughs> I would say. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, it's it's fun to to call women. Um, I won't read it. I'm not going to say it. But I bet, I bet he had fun doing it, right? You know, I bet he did. I'm sure it was, yeah. I bet it was a silly time. And then when it, <laughs> and then when the reporter, uh, found the podcast that was just out there on the internet floating around. And listened to every episode, God bless her, uh, and then contacted Mike and said, hey, do you stand by all this bad stuff you said? And he just deleted all the episodes. 
like two hours later, but they're still on archive.org because that's how it works. Mm. Um, and then like three days later, he resigned in shame. <sighs> Cancel culture strikes again, Matt. Well, look, <laughs> you and I, you and I more than anybody else, perhaps, once again, we we understand Mike more like he is one of us. He is a hobbyist podcaster <laughs> who has a different job besides just podcasting. And man, let me tell you something. The moment, the moment that I get an email uh-huh. from Freeform or from the new Simon Cowell show or from uh, Love Island or whatever. This podcast is done. Well, yeah. it's We're taking it down. We are scrubbing it. We are hiring a oh. firm and they are going to take every episode down off of the internet, including on the archives, including on, you know, the Wayback Machine. This There will be no trace of this left. And it's because I know how this stuff goes. And I just feel bad that Mike, at 46 years old, <sighs> didn't catch that. You see this as a cautionary tale. I see it as... Have you read The Great Gatsby? <laughs> It's Mike Richards, <laughs> television personality and former star of <laughs> Jeopardy. You'll find him in news articles all over Google News today, tomorrow, and maybe for the next few days. But never again afterwards. That's Mike. That's who is Mike Richards? <laughs> Welcome back to Ear Buddies. Welcome back to Graceland. Welcome back to Song Exploder. One of our favorite segments, totally original idea, concept. Um Matt. Hey Tim. We're about to we're about to explode a song. Which one are we going to blow up? Well, Tim, usually this is pretty labor intensive because you and I, well, we are <laughs> capital real capital musicians and yes, we are. We know so much stuff. But look, I just wanted to do kind of a fun little explosion uh-huh. of a hit song that your parents know and Ooh. love and It's called, You Can Call Me Al. Man. Yeah. Come on. How how much fun could you possibly have in one song? Has there ever been a song that sounds more like um, walking around Corbett Field (laughs) between baseball games? (laughs) That's what this song is all about. <laughs> I don't find this stuff amusing anymore. 
I mean, this song kicks. It absolutely kicks. And uh, look, when when we explode a song on here, I don't really care about getting into the um, sort of lyrical or emotional inspiration behind it because that's just interpretation, and I just I, I, I'm not in the mood. Who has the time? No, Come we're on. here for the nuts and bolts, baby. Exactly. We're exploding this thing. That's that's exactly Which right. Which wire do I cut? <laughs> Well, look, I just, I just want to briefly, <laughs> I just want to briefly point out some fun little tidbits about this one. Yeah, please. Uh, because to me, it is one of the, if not the quintessential Graceland tracks, and not just because it was such a runaway hit. Uh, mm. It's because there, this is such a beautiful, beautiful fusion for me of Western American pop and. Yep. African music and African influences. Because we're hearing in here, I mean, Paul's obviously cruising around doing his Paul Simon thing. Um, uh-huh. And everything else is so poppy and so hooky, uh, but it's all these African instruments, these traditionally African instruments. We've got like a nine-piece horn section. We've got the little penny whistle solo, which is a very uh, dead ringer for certain um, subgenres of African music. And then uh-huh. even more fun... And maybe this is the reason I even wanted to explode this, but we all know the famous bass solo, right, by uh, oh, yeah. Bakithi Kumalo in the, uh, you know, before the bridge or whatever. I just want to point out that that is impossible to play because, so he's playing a fretless bass, which in itself is impossible to play, but also, fun fact. You just, you just sort of mean, like, because it. Not, it's just not literally impossible. Not it's just literally impossible. It's just very difficult. Yes, I'm sorry. Right. You, it can be done, <laughs> but uh, he played this. But your but but this solo is is literally impossible to play, right? It is literally impossible to play. Yes. Sorry, I'm just not all of us are real musicians, man. I get carried away. I wanna... <laughs> but okay, here, let's listen. I don't know. I could play that. Oh no, Tim! And let me tell you why you could not play that. Uh, <laughs> it's just a, it's just a cool little st- studio trick they did where he played the uh, first part of that riff, and then the engineer flipped it uh, like that Missy Elliott song. He flipped it and reversed it, and uh-huh. just ran the tape backwards. And just doesn't that sound cool? Yeah, let's let's let's, let's run that back. you can tell yep. yep so just that rocks and then uh you know well even actually my final point on this song but this is sort of the whole graceland album uh ever hear mm. of Ladysmith black mombazo if you've ever seen mean girls you know who i'm talking about pal i've never seen 
so, I've never seen Mean Girls. Sorry. Okay. Well, it's a big thing. Most people will know. I'm sorry that you don't. But I just don't want to turn this into a big thing. No, no, it's fine. Let's. It's. It's always a big thing when I say that, and everybody's like, "What?" I know, but you're still so smart and good at what you're doing, Tim. So don't feel bad. <laughs> Thanks, pal. But just, I just wanted to mention too, like the final, my final kind of point to wrap up the whole uh, attempt here is that Lady yeah. Smith, Black Mombazo, they were big uh, in South Africa, but then Paul uh-huh. Simon got them on. I mean, he, they're on most of the tracks on Graceland, uh-huh. and. Then uh, they became worldwide stars. He produced their album like a year or two later. They went on tour. Wow. They're still touring. They got a shout out in Mean Girls starring Lindsay Lohan. So like that, that's the way to do it. You elevate the artists, uh, their culture, their deal, and uh, you know become a conduit in that sense. And. Nobody would. Well, I know Tim that you have not heard of. <laughs> um, well, you've heard of Lady Smith Black Mombazo. I've heard of Lady Smith Black Mombazo. I just haven't seen that movie. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm being too hard on you. But nobody would have heard of Lady Smith Black Mombazo if not for Paul Simon and Graceland. Sure. So well, right. Net positive once again. That's uh, that's sort of all I have to say on the matter. Let me explode this song just a little bit by exploding the music video and just pointing out that it's a cool music video because it's just, uh, it's it's just Chevy Chase <laughs> sitting there lip syncing the song, right? It's very good. I mean, it's 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 fresh. How is how is Chevy doing these days? I think not great. I think, as far as I understand it, everybody hates him. Um, can we can we also do a what is it a how are they doing where are they now <laughs> where are segment? they now well <laughs> he let's do a where are they now here too sure how's Chevy Chase doing enter <laughs> oh Chevy Chase is on Twitter oh yeah no it's bad yeah he got on that video with Paul because I think they were buddies, but also apparently Lorne Michaels, who has been around for, I think, 200 years, loved Paul Simon and Graceland, and uh, and they just kind of made that happen. And now, I mean, now he's getting f- fired from everything he does, and everyone just thinks he's sort of the worst person in the world, and um, that may be true. So... He's still alive, but he's not doing well. Chevy Chase should host Jeopardy. Tim, I think you have hit on it. Has anyone has anyone said that sentence out that loud yet? That is it. Exactly. That is the point of this episode. Sometimes it takes us go. a long time to get to sort of the kicker, <sighs> but that seems like I mean, that's it. He should be the next host. Sometimes Matt and I text while I'm editing the app, like, what uh, What should we call this one? What What should we name this episode? Nope, we already know. We're not going to... Nothing to do with cultural borrowing, nothing to do with Graceland, nothing to do with Justin Bieber. We're going to name this episode Chevy Chase Should Host Jeopardy. Boy, this is bold. This is great. 
this is an episode <laughs> that we're going to have to scrub from the internet before too long. I'm so proud of it. Couple of house cleaning items here as we go, as we say goodbye. Uh, one, we I promise, I promise next week, K-pop Motown. <sighs> Scouts honor. Look, it's become it's become sort of a joke, and I get that, but like we're going to do it. But I would say, Tim, my kind of fear is that we've talked yeah. about it so much and hyped it up so much that if it's not our best episode ever and doesn't win us like a, a yeah. Webby Award, then it, will sure. it have been worth it? Like we're setting the bar so high. If you heard the Oreo being eaten. Uh, hop on Twitter at earbuddies <laughs> underscore pod. Respond to the episode posting with the timestamp of where you heard it being munched. And uh, if you're correct, we'll give you some sort of prize. I don't know what that is yet, but we'll give you some sort of award or prize or recognition. So if you heard the munching of the cookie, uh, congratulations. Nice ears. Good job. And that's that's the whole episode. What an ep. Great ep. Really, really <laughs> substantive. Uh, learned a lot. Um, I mean, it was the quintessential Ear Buddies ep. I would say. Uh, talk to you later, pal. Talk to you later, buddy.